The great pastor of another era, Charles Spurgeon, said, by perseverance the snail reached the ark. Can you just picture that? I wonder how long that would have taken. <laughs> John Michener, character consists of what you do on the third and the fourth tries. An unknown author says, failure is the path of least persistence. Mm. Persistence. Thank you, Becky, for starting us off on a, a good note with the children about that theme. Let's just do a little quick survey of people that we have heard of, uh, perhaps some a little bit more obscure than others. Uh, Noah persisted in face of criticism to build the ark. Jacob wrestled with God until he found himself. Joseph persevered through hardship and false accusation and imprisonment to become Pharaoh's right-hand man and save the Hebrew people in the meantime. Moses, generations later, led a bickering Hebrew people through the wilderness. Ruth worked through grief and hardship to reestablish her life. David overcame Goliath and became a great leader. Prophets persisted in speaking godly messages no one wanted to listen to and remained faithful to their call. Ezra and Nehemiah valiantly organized and motivated the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the walls around it after the exile. Esther persevered in courage and godly wisdom in the face of persecution. I would hazard a guess that we could turn to just about any page of Scripture and find someone, an ordinary person, yes, I said, ordinary person, because some of these people that we think of are larger than life to us. We've heard about some of their stories, some of us, since we were a little kid. And so they've grown huge in our lives, and that's great, but sometimes they've grown so huge that we forget that these were normal, everyday people responding to God's call, employing those gifts that God had given them to be able to pursue that call for their lives by prayer and fasting and obedience, by asking, seeking, and knocking, people of faith overcame great obstacles, overcame themselves, and overcame earthly powers and spiritual forces. So, let me ask you a question to start with. Can you think of a point in your life where you could say, I have persisted. I have, with God's help, overcome something. Now, give yourself a break. Don't put yourself down. Don't think lesser of yourself than you ought. Because I would hazard a guess that every one of us can tell our own story, whether large or small, in at least one way in our lives that we have persisted with something, something, a challenge, perhaps a sickness, perhaps a difficulty at work or at school or in the neighborhood or even within ourselves. I would hazard a guess every one of us can preach our own sermon right now. In 2 Corinthians 11, it describes how Paul overcame hardships of prison and shipwrecks and robbers and 
difficulties with friends and enemies alike. In Philippians 3, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke over all these uh, last several months now. A little bit earlier in Luke, Jesus says of the persistence, no one who sets his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All these messages of persistence that we have throughout God's Word. So today, the illustration Jesus uses is a simple one but we miss some of the finer details along the way. I I think many of us probably get caught up in feeling a little sorry for the judge. Now, now I may be speaking a little out of turn here, uh, and and maybe that's not what you're thinking at all, but let's just go down and travel that road just for a moment. Maybe let's just wonder, do do any of us feel, don't, don't raise your hands or anything, but Do any of us really feel sorry for the judge? Think about that for a moment, because we get caught up in the feelings. And and I I, I suspect that some people may side with him. We don't like being bothered. Can't others care for themselves? And so before we side with the judge, I want us to make sure that we don't miss some of the finer details of this parable that, that Jesus says throughout this, uh, this passage here. <clears throat> because Jesus characterizes him in a number of different ways. It starts with verse 2. Here's a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. In, in verse 4 and 5, we hear the judge's attitude. Even though I don't care or fear God or care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll grant justice. She was simply an inconvenience. Or how about in verse 5, the persistent, selfish attitude of the judge? I'll do this kind act so that she won't eventually wear me out. It was all about him. And ultimately in verse 6, Jesus refers to the judge as the unjust judge. So, we do not know what the case was that the woman had against her, or against her adversary, rather, but that she was a woman and that she was a widow, two strikes against her in Jesus' day. She probably would never have been given the time of day by the judge. Last week, Pastor Shar spoke about the Samaritan leper who returned to give thanks to Jesus. Remember the ten lepers, but one returned to give thanks? That person had two strikes against him, a Samaritan and a leper, and most would avoid him at all cost. So Jesus' ministry, especially characterized in the Gospel of Luke, assures us that he is offering full opportunity of love, of grace, of hospitality, and justice, especially for those whom justice, for whom justice is elusive. <clears throat> These are the things in which Jesus persists. This widow with two strikes against her, unable to receive justice. The system stacked against her. Jesus teaches, be persistent. Yeah, it is a simple story. 
And we can take the easy way out by entirely, entirely relating to the situation of the widow and placing that situation upon ourselves. But let me ask a more difficult question. Are we at any time like the judge in our lives? Are we at any time like the judge? Are there marginalized people within our society with whom we would care not to associate or rub shoulders with? Do we profile or categorize people today? Are there people for whom we have decided we have no time or tolerance? Are there stories that we tire to hear and think, why don't they just shut up and move on with life? Get over it. Do we ever have feelings like that for other people? In what ways are we perhaps, and this is the hard question, are we ever like the unjust judge? And yes, in what ways are we like the widow? Sometimes we persist against powers and forces that never hint that we can be victorious at all. I loved the push, prayer, unceasing, oh, my mind isn't working. What does it stand for again? Prayer until something happens. Thank you for helping me with that. And so here's a story. There, there's the sign. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> Some years ago, a Korean family was reunited after nearly 50 years of separation from the remainder of their family due to a political fragmentation between the North and the South. This was in perhaps a little bit different era than it is today. The South Korean grandmother said, I prayed every morning at 3 a.m. for an hour, unceasing, for 47 years. Every morning I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and pray for an hour for 47 years that I might be able to see the remainder of the rest of my family in North Korea. In an unprecedented move, North Korea relented, allowing the reunion. And so the day finally unfolded when many tears of joy and hugs and everybody suddenly stood and looked at each other and stopped and realized what persistent prayer was able to accomplish in that particular situation. And, and the rest of the family, after all their tears and after all their hugs, the rest of the family from North Korea suddenly stood apart from the grandmother, and in a particularly Korean custom, they all got down on their knees and they bowed to her. They recognized the power of prayer they recognized her persistence. They recognized that without her championing this, it would never have occurred, the reunion of this family, at least for a short time. Now, the other side of the coin is perhaps a little bit more uncomfortable. Sometimes we persist in destructive things, perhaps in arrogance or in unforgiving spirit. <clears throat> Two brothers who lived in, on adjoining farms fell into conflict, 
And after 40 years of farming side by side, sharing machinery, trading labor and goods, exchanging all sorts of information back and forth, long collaboration fell apart. And why do long collaborations fall apart? Hard to know sometimes, but as is often the case, it starts out small and it grows large. And that was the case here. It got to a point where they couldn't even remember why they had the disagreement with each other. But the separation became so explosive, and the exchange of bitter words on one occasion led the younger brother across the, the hill to get his bulldozer out and go to the river levee and probably something illegal, he poked a hole in it and he created a creek that ran between the two fields. For the younger brother, there was no getting back together again. Well, one morning there was a knock on the older brother's door. He opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox and he says, I'm looking for some work to do. Do you have anything? And so the older brother thought a little bit, and he says, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. My brother, just see that creek that runs between our properties? And see that wood that's over by the barn? I want you to build an eight-foot fence so that I don't have to see my brother again. And the carpenter looked at the wood, and he brother, and he said, yes, I understand the situation. I, I understand what I can do, and I think I might be able to help you. Well, the older farmer left town uh, for town for a day and the, as the carpenter worked, and when the farmer returned, the farmer's jaw dropped because instead of building a fence, what do you think he built? A bridge. Handrails and all. And before the older brother realized it, he was standing looking at the bridge in bewilderment and, and, and was going to turn to the, the carpenter, and, and, and he said, why did you do this? And all of a sudden, the younger brother started coming to the other side of the bridge, and he was so excited, and he said, I never would have thought, I never would have dreamed that you would have done this. And he comes with arms extended as he walks across the bridge, and the older brother had to make a decision. He had persisted so long. In his arrogant disagreements with his brother, and here was the bridge, and here was his brother with open arms, and love prevailed. Anything like that happened in any of your families? I can. Look at some folk here in this, in this congregation after 15 years. I know some of your stories. And I know the truth and the power to this. And I think some of you do too. The older brother turned to the carpenter and said, I have some other work for you to do if you wouldn't mind. And the carpenter said, I'd love to stay, but I have many more bridges to build. 
We live in a world of deep chasms and divides among people. What do we persist in? It strikes me that many persist in ways that accentuate divides nowadays. And it's very grievous. And it's very hurtful to families and even to a nation. When we start demonizing other people, they could be fellow citizens, they can be fellow churchgoers, they can be fellow family members. You see, there is a master bridge builder, his name is Jesus, who persists in building bridges in our lives, who never gives up, who constantly, through the power of His Spirit and through His Word, points to opportunities where people need only to see that there is a road through instead of a dead end. We as Christians need to live like that now, more than ever before. Persistently, loving, caring, being gracious, being just. Living lives, dear God, that would glorify and honor you. What do you persist in? Ran across these words. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you, you're trudging seems all uphill, <clears throat> when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile but you produce a cry, when care is pressing you down a bit, by all means, pray, push, and don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, God's hidden gift in the clouds of doubt. You never can tell how close you are. I'm going to repeat that line. You never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far, so trust in the Lord when you're the hardest hit. I'd say trust in the Lord any time, but that's the way the poem says it. Trust in the Lord when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you must not quit. So, dear God, help us persist in matters of faith. And may we be found as people of faith May we be found as people who cherish the things you cherish. May we, dear God, be your instruments of persistence in this world for a better world. For we anticipate that best world of all, the kingdom of God, and await your return at a time we will never know. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.